Thanks for inviting Mission City Church to join you wherever you are today. We've got a great message for you, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we've been in this series the, the last few weeks, walking through um, the, the armor of God, which is Ephesians chapter 6. And if you think about Ephesians, the book of Ephesians was written by Paul to the church at Ephesus. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we walked through the first six and a half chapters of Ephesians. So if you think about this book, it is a letter written to a church by Paul. First three chapters are how we can know Christ, doctrine, right? And then from uh, chapter four, verse one through chapter six and verse nine, it's how do we live for Christ? So how do we know Christ? How do we live for Christ? And then chapter six, uh, starting in verse 10, Paul says, if you're going to live for Christ, you are going to face spiritual battles. So he talks about all these practical ways that we live for Christ. And at the end of chapter five, the first of chapter six, marriage, kids, our jobs, relationships, all of these things. And then he says, listen, if you're going to live for Christ, you are going to be in a spiritual battle. And, and what he wants us to understand as we think about this is we are in a spiritual battle whether we, whether we realize it or not. Like when you wake up tomorrow and things are going on in your life and you go, well, it's just Monday or I haven't had my coffee yet. No, no, no. You're in a spiritual battle. Everything that we encounter, that we deal with, that come against us, Satan is coming against us and we need to realize and be aware that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are in a spiritual battle. So what Paul is doing is he's saying, listen, let me give you this visual of armor, the armor of God. And if we're going to stand up against the schemes of the evil one, we have to put on this armor. It's something that we do. We put on this armor spiritually each and every day. So as we walk through that, two weeks ago, we talked about truth, uh, that, that Jesus Christ is truth, that there is an absolute truth. And so we put on Jesus the belt of truth. This week, we're looking at the breastplate of righteousness. Now, when you think about, again, this visual of armor, a breastplate, a breastplate would be very similar to, to you know, the body armor that, that soldiers or police officers wear today. It would protect you from, you know, your neck all the way down to, to the top of your waist. It was on the front and the back. It protected what? All the vital organs. Your heart, your intestines, your liver, like everything, your kidneys, everything that could do serious damage to your body, kill you. This breastplate was there to protect. No soldier would go into battle without his breastplate. It was vital for their life. So we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10 and kind of go through where we're going to be today in verse 14. Paul's writing, he says, finally connecting everything he's just talked about up to uh, verse 10 in Ephesians. Finally, be strong. And who are we to be strong in? In the Lord, right? Not what culture tells us. Be strong in yourself. Look inside of you. The strength is inside of you. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Paul said, no, 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 no. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, not some of it, all of the armor, right? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, so he's given this whole visual, you know, when people do something wrong, they say, the devil made me do it, right? The devil probably didn't make you do it. He's helping us to understand it's not just Satan, it's just demons, that he has a whole legion, a whole army working with him, coming against us. Therefore, 
Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This breastplate of righteousness is, is imagery. It's, it's hearkening back to Isaiah chapter 59 verse 17 where we see for the first time this description, this breastplate of righteousness. And what Paul is saying is that we, we need to, to look out for this adversary, that we need to stand against this adversary and that we need to be relentless, that we can never, ever let our guard down. So as we think about that, I, I want us to just kind of unpackage this idea of righteousness, this breastplate of righteousness and talk about, uh, first of all, what is righteousness? So the secular definition of righteousness is the quality of being morally true or justifiable, conformity to the behavior with regulations or laws. So in other words, uh, the Congress sets the laws. So for the United States or for our state, we have laws. And I would be considered a righteous citizen if I followed the laws of our state or I followed the laws of our nation. Let me give you an example. I was talking to my mom last week and, and she was like, Matt, she's like, I was in a restaurant the other day. I don't know where she was. Let's just say Taco Bell. My mom was getting a burrito. She said Taco Bell. And she's like, there was this guy at, in, in the restaurant and he had a holster and a gun, like a cowboy gun, like a six shooter. And she's like, how can you even do that? And I was like, that's called constitutional carry. That's, that's, a, that's a state law that we have in Texas that, that you can do that. She's like, that just seems crazy. Like, that's cowboy. I'm like, well, we live in Texas, right? But here's the deal. Whether you agree with that law or not doesn't matter. The governing body, the Congress of our state set this up as a law. And so if I follow that law, then I am considered a righteous citizen. Because the person that sets the law, we follow the law, that, that's righteousness. Now, there's also this thing called self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is I establish my own morals and standards and hold other people to those standards. An example of this would be legalism. Legalism is my own spiritual standards that I have for myself that I put on you. Let's just say, you know, uh, maybe I, I think it's wrong to wear shorts and you wear shorts. So in my mind, you're less spiritual than I am because you wear shorts. Or when I was growing up, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. Like I was not allowed under no circumstances, no way ever, ever to wear blue jeans to church when I was growing up. God would not be okay with that. That's what I thought. I'm preaching in blue jeans now. But that was kind of a legalistic thing. That was this, this kind of unwritten rule, like, you know, you can't dance if you're a Christian or you can't, you know, whatever. That's legalism. It's my standards, my spiritual standards for myself that I hold you to. Or think about comparison. This is what a lot of us do as well. I, I look at myself and my morality and my actions and I compare them to yours. And as long as you're worse than I am, then I feel like I'm righteous. Right? I'm like, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than him. Right? Look at the person next to you. Tell him you're better than them. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that, right? That, that would be comparison. And so the problem with this is righteousness is an attribute that belongs to God only. He is righteousness. And it's established by him because it's his attribute. He is righteous. 
He establishes what that looks like for us. And you know what the bar is? Perfection. If we are going to be righteous in God's eyes, we have to be perfect. Now that's not good news for us. Why? Because we all fall short. We're all guilty. Isaiah 64, 6, all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment or like filthy rags. Think about this, just kind of a picture, a court scene. God is the judge. He sits up on his throne. He's proceeding over over this court and, and the district attorney against us is Satan. And he pulls out all of the charges. He's got this long list of all of these things that that we've done. And he's like, and in fifth grade, he was mean to his sister. And then he stole a cookie. And then he said a cuss word. And he's going through and it takes days and days and days and days because he's going through every single thing that we've ever done our entire life. And, And the thing is, it's all true. We did all of these things. We fall short of God's standard, which is perfection. And here's the deal. It doesn't matter if your list is, is this thick of pages or if there's one thing you did wrong. Guess what? You're guilty. We fall short of the standard. So go back again to self-righteousness. We think that we're innocent because of our morality or, or comparison to people that are worse than us. But, but this says that we're all guilty before a righteous judge. Romans 3.10 talks about that. Romans 6.23 says that all have sinned. And guess what the punishment for sin is? For not being perfect. Death. And every single one of us are guilty. You think about the law in the Old Testament. It was given to us to show this unreachable standard. All the laws, over 600 laws, things to do and things not to do. And breaking one law means you're guilty. And here's the reality. It's impossible to keep the law. But that was the point. God was trying to show us that his standards of perfection are unattainable. Because we all fall short. Now, there were sacrifices in the Old Testament. We would fall short, we would sin. And so they would go and they'd make a sacrifice and the blood of the animal that was sacrificed was a temporary covering, temporary righteousness. But the key word is temporary. So, so you have God and his righteous and, and he's righteous and, and we're not. His standard is perfection, but we fall short. So where does this lead us? I love this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul's writing in the church in Corinth. He says, for our sake, he made him to be sin, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. Not our own righteousness. We, we take on the righteousness of God. So, so as we think about that, this righteousness of God is God's gift to us. Through Jesus Christ, Jesus became flesh. Jesus was was God manifest, God's righteousness coming down to the earth, living this perfect life so so that, that we, through faith in Jesus Christ, can become righteous. Think about our court case again. God's on his throne. Satan has gone through all of our sins, every way that we're unrighteous, every way that we fall short. And here's the deal. We're guilty. God is about to pronounce his judgment. He's about to to hit the gavel and say guilty. And all of a sudden from the back of the room, guess who busts in? Jesus. 
And Jesus says, no, 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 he's not guilty. He's one of mine. I've paid the price for his sins. Man, isn't that a great thing? But here's what's cool. Not only am I not guilty because of what Jesus Christ has done, he invites me to come home and have dinner with him afterwards. And that's pretty amazing to think about. So it's not my own righteousness that I earn. It's nothing that I did. It's what Jesus Christ has done for me. He steps in. We, we take on his righteousness and, and we're made right before God. So we're now innocent through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have right standing before God. And again, this isn't a temporary righteousness. This isn't like the Old Testament where sacrifices were made. This is a once and for all permanent righteousness that we have through Jesus Christ. His sacrifice. We get to take on his righteousness forever. It's a pretty good deal on our part. So, so think about this. What's our response to this gift of righteousness that God gives us? Well, it's for us to pursue living righteously. That, that we would live in a way that honors him. Some of you know my wife, Becky. Becky is, uh, she's much better than I am. I way out punted my coverage. If you know her, you would amen and just say, yeah, you're right. She is, right? But here's what I know to be true. Becky loves me. Now you may question why. And that's, a, that's another conversation for another time. But I know that Becky loves me. And because Becky loves me, I want to cherish and honor Becky with the way that I live my life. And so when I clean the dishes or if I buy her some kind of, of gift, it's not to earn Becky's love. I already have Becky's love. It's in response to Becky's love. I wanna do things that honor her, that, that show her that I love her as well. And, and we desire to live righteously, not to earn God's favor. That, that's religion, that's morality. Right? I'm trying to, to be good enough and live well enough that, that maybe God will forgive me. Maybe God will love me. I'll practice religion. I'll do all these things. No, that's trying to earn righteousness. We talked about that. We're guilty. We can't do it. But we live righteously not to earn God's favor and love, but because God's favor and love is our response. In the same way, I want to serve and honor Becky because she loves me. In response to the fact she loves me. I want to live for God righteously in response to or because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Let, me. let me give you some scriptures to go along with that. Romans chapter 6 and verse 18. Paul's writing, he says that we've been set free from sin and now we've become slaves to righteousness. Now, before we're saved, before we're in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that we're slaves to sin, that sin is our master. But when we're forgiven, when we accept Jesus' righteousness, we put on Jesus' righteousness in our life by grace through faith. We're no longer slaves to sin and we become essentially slaves to righteousness, that we want to do righteous things, to live righteously, to honor God. Romans 13, 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. What's the flesh? Is it this? No, no, the flesh is, is the world. It's the things of the world. It's sin, the, the allures of the world. He says, listen, don't, don't gratify those desires. What are, we, what are we to do? We're to, to live 
righteously. Ephesians chapter four, verse 24, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, so we think about that and we go back to our scripture for today and, and let's just make this really, really practical. It says that we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness and stand. Stand against the schemes of the evil one. Stand against the schemes of the devil. See, every single one of us chooses to put on some breastplate every day. It can be the breastplate of righteousness. It can be putting on Christ. Or it can be the breastplates that we make in our own life. Let me give you some examples of those breastplates. For some of us, we get up in the morning and we put on the breastplate of our job. Our worth, our value, our self-esteem comes from our job, comes from our title, comes from our accomplishments, all the things that we've done. That's the the breastplate that we think is going to protect us. Some of us put on the breastplate of of fitness. You know, the, the guy that works out like three hours a day has a really big chest and shoulders and little bitty legs. You know that guy? He skips leg day all the time. He thinks his self-worth, his value comes from how he looks and how he works out because he has this great bench press and that's going to stand up against the devil really, really well, right? Or, or maybe the, the girl who bounces from boyfriend to boyfriend wearing the breastplate of approval. This relationship, this relationship, this person, I'll finally feel whole, I'll finally feel complete. Or here's one, this might step on a few toes. What about some of us put on the breastplate of of parenting? All of our focus and all of our attention goes into our kids. And all of our value and all of our worth is built up on how we parent. And we go back to that comparison thing. As long as my kids are better than your kids, I'm more successful, I'm a better parent than you are. We put on the breastplate of parenting. Or a lot of us put on the breastplate of religion, right? That, That... That if we go to church, that if we're moral, that if we do good things, then we'll have righteousness. But but we've just seen we're still unrighteous because the standard is perfection. We seek approval in our morality. We seek approval in the things that we do. These are breastplates of self-righteousness or breastplates of unrighteousness. It's armor that we forge and it'll never stand up against the schemes of the evil one, or if you're not in Christ, against the wrath of God for those who are not in him. This armor is no good, so what do we do? We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on Christ every day. It it protects us. We're able to stand against the schemes of the evil one. But here's the deal. Satan, he's our enemy, he doesn't give up. Even though he's defeated, we know that Jesus defeated Satan on the cross. The war has been won. We, we know the end of the book. Jesus won. But he also doesn't give up just because you've taken on the righteousness of Christ, just because you're saved, just because you're a follower of Jesus. Satan doesn't give up. And so we're in that courtroom and, and, and God has rendered his verdict innocent because of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus on the cross. But what does Satan do? He keeps accusing. He keeps rattling everything off. Oh, but today... Remember when you said that? 
Remember when you had that lustful thought? Remember when you, you cheated on that one thing? Remember how you talked to your spouse? Remember, remember, remember? And he keeps bringing these things up and he says things like you're worthless. He's saying, look at your life. You're ridiculous. You're pathetic. When God looks at you, he sees a failure. God won't hear you. Now God will never hear you. He can never love you. You're damaged goods. And what happens? When we don't put on the armor of Christ, we begin to believe the accusations. Some of you are here this morning and, and you know that you're a follower of Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But you haven't been putting on that breastplate of righteousness and you've been listening to the accuser. Keep throwing things in your face. Keep bringing things up. Again, our breastplates that we create, they don't extinguish the fiery darts that Satan throws at us constantly. He knows where the weak spots are. Our breastplates that we create, our self-righteousness or our unrighteousness never withstands the schemes of the evil one. So what do we do? Some of you are feeling that today. If you're not feeling it today, it'll probably hit you tomorrow. What do we do? We remember the gift of God, his righteousness that he gives us through Jesus Christ. We, we get rid of all the breastplates that we've forged on our own, all the things that we br- think will fulfill us, that will give us the strength to stand. And we begin daily to preach the gospel to ourselves who we are in Christ Jesus, what we have in Christ Jesus. You see, accusations come from Satan. Accusations keep us from running to God. You're ugly, you're sinful, you're nothing, you're pitiful. God would never love you. God gives us conviction from the Holy Spirit. Conviction is a gift. Conviction draws us to God. So what do we say when the accusations come? I just jotted a couple of things down. When the accusations come from the evil one, what are the things that in our minds and hearts that we remember? I'm adopted as a child. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm his friend. I'm a member of his body. I'm a member of his household. I belong to him. I'm included. I'm a citizen of God. I'm part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood. I'm no longer condemned. I'm a new creation. I'm alive in him. I'm blameless, I've been lavished by his grace, I'm forgiven, I'm his workmanship, I'm a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, I'm secure and protected, I have access to the Father, I can come boldly to the throne to find help in times of need. Jesus is my advocate, I'm not alone, I have hope, there's a purpose for my suffering, I can be content in any situation because of what Christ has done, I'm righteous and holy, I'm more than a conqueror, I'm promised eternal life, I'm victorious over sin, death and the law, I'm qualified to share in his inheritance and I'm confident he will complete the work that he began in me. These are the things that we bring up to our accuser. When he says these things, no, 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 I'm I'm a more than a conqueror. I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven. I've been adopted. I'm in the family. You see, in Christ, all the things that I just said, that's who you are. It's his righteousness. We're all of those things because of Jesus Christ. But if you're not in Christ Jesus, all of those things can be who you become. There's an offering today. There's an invitation today for any and all to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So you have a God that loves you. 
He created you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to give you hope and an assurance. He wants to forgive you of all of your sins. Matter of fact, he proved that in that while we were still sinners, at your very worst moment, Christ died for us. And because of what Christ Jesus has done, we've been declared when we accept that by faith as not guilty. So as we think about this today, know who you are. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and stand triumphant. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and the truth of your word. We thank you, God, that you didn't leave us, Father, just to, to fight these battles on our own. But God, you gave us Jesus Christ. That we could never be righteous in and of ourselves, but we take on the righteousness of Jesus by faith. And God, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that, that we're adopted in your family, that we're your children, that we're overcomers, that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for anybody here this morning that, that isn't saved, that doesn't know Jesus. All of these things that we just said that we are in Christ can be theirs. God, help them to know that they have a God that loves them, that, that wants to forgive them, to give them a hope in the future through his son, Jesus Christ. I pray for salvation this morning. And then I pray for others of us here this morning. We know that we're saved. We know that Christ lives inside of us. God, that we would put on your righteousness each and every day. That, that before you, because of Jesus, we're blameless. Before you, because of Jesus, we can be righteous. You declare us not guilty. God, help us to live in that victory. Give us strength to stand. In Jesus' name. Amen. At Mission City Church, we love people and love how the good news of Jesus transforms lives and we want to see it more every day. Stop by missioncity.church to check out what we are up to that you can be a part of. It is also where you can share a gift to support the ministries of Mission City in San Antonio. Be blessed. Till next time.